You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. you ready for a college football Saturday? This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. As the introduction suggests, my name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. I'm the host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show weekdays here on 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. Two until four local time. You can stream anywhere on the Odyssey app. He is RJ Choppy, the co-host of Shannon RJ. Weekdays, Monday through Friday, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He, of course, is on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, how are you, my man? Hey, I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing well. Let's get into a little bit of college football news before we get into college basketball news. I think right now, the two biggest stories, it seems, are the recruitment of one Caleb Williams and the recruitment of Jackson Dart. And it is this weird reality, and it's just part of the world that we live in. We're talking about the recruitment of two guys that are still technically students somewhere else we're not talking about high school kids we're talking about the recruitment of of two freshmen that both played this year and now with the new transfer waiver rule they're going to be able to pick their next spot when you think about big picture is Caleb Williams not being a slam dunk to USC interesting to you or do you think do you think it's something completely different him not being a slam dunk to USC is that yeah I mean listen a lot of guys like to so we see this in 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 sports you'll see a package deal right you know like the this GM is going to hire that coach this AD is going to hire that coach when the LSU job came available everyone pointed right at Jimbo Fisher because of the relationship he had with the athletic director and that makes sense and I think it's I think it's you know I don't know how well it will or won't get reported it was very obvious that Scott Woodward, the athletic director at LSU, made Jimbo Fisher say no. And he didn't go get Brian Kelly till Jimbo said no for the 38th time. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he probably threw the, threw the, the, the amount of money at him that was beyond belief. And, you know, unfortunately for LSU, with as much money as they have, A&M probably has a little bit more if, if it really got down to it. But, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo seems to like it in College Station. So good for him. You know, if you're happy, you're happy. And, a- and the AM fans are not as crazy as LSU fans when it comes to expectations, I don't think. No, we um, talked about it. Like, you know, this year they go eight and four, and, you know, they had a lot of preseason hype. Obviously, losing their quarterback is a part of their story, but they went eight and four. And while it was kind of a, a you know, a bitter end, Jimbo Fisher was never on the hot seat. No. You know? And they're not even talking well, about it. Jimbo better win next year. Whereas at the minimum, if he's at LSU, if he survives that type of, that type of season, it's yeah. better. Well, he better prove it next year. And, and you just don't have that pressure at AM. Well, yeah. I mean, and he lost his quarterback too. Yeah. You know, in the beginning of the year. And that throws a wrench into your entire season. And, you know, hopefully we have moved past the idea that, well, you know, quarterbacks are just along for the ride. Uh, we've, uh, hopefully we've moved long past long that. But, that. you know, to get back yeah. to the Caleb Williams thing, yeah, I am a little surprised that it's. Not yet a done deal. Um, because it, he went these these kids, and I know I know it's really hard. 
it's really hard for diehard foam finger waving fan to admit that the player doesn't come to your school for the school, but they go there for the coach. Yes. And I really look, if you're, and I, I, my sister went to OU, uh, her husband went to OU. I, I mean, I live 170 miles from the campus and there's a ton of OU fans here. And it's a, to me, top five college town. Fantastic. Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, if it had a beach, it'd be the greatest job in the world. But, you know, I'm sorry. They didn't go there for Norman, Oklahoma. They didn't no, go the there kid, because... The kid, from, the kid from Connecticut did not go to Oklahoma because of all the things that, as you mentioned, those are good things. Those are legitimate yeah. pluses about... It's why Oklahoma, in my opinion, has become, you know, and for a very long time, has been one of the best jobs in college football. With that being said, like, I don't think Caleb Williams left Connecticut because, you know, Norman has really great architecture. No, he, he doesn't care if Bricktown's up the street and there's a right. Mickey Mantle Steakhouse. Like, he, he doesn't care about Sky Bar. You know, he just doesn't care about that. Uh, he cares about Lincoln Riley. And, and that's why he's going to go and follow him to USC if he does, because he cares about Lincoln Riley. Or he cares about his NIL deal now. Like, he initially sure. went, you know, I mean, that, that could be it too. You know, even, even if you're a top-flight quarterback prospect, and if you go to Oklahoma, if you go to Texas, if you go to, you know, you know Ohio State, you know, you're on the track to the NFL, but there's still no guarantee that you're going to the NFL. So if you can, you know, you got to make your NIL money when you can make your NIL money. I mean, see Spencer Rattler. I mean, you know, you and I talked about coming into the season. You and I were never that high on him. But, you know, coming into the season, it, the question was, you know, is he going to be, is this his last year in college? You know, is he going to be able to, you know, be the number one pick? Is he going to, you know, is he going to win the Heisman? Is he going to come back and try to win it a second time? And, you know, now he's at South Carolina. And I think with Caleb Williams' recruitment, I think you bring up a good point. Because to me, I know I'm being overly general here, but it seems to me that there are two likely scenarios going on right now if you're trying to figure out what's happening. Scenario number one is he wants to follow Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley's also got another number one five-star big-time prospect that was committed to Oklahoma and is out of California. He's got him coming to USC. And I think it's entirely possible that Lincoln Riley has said, listen, we'll, we'll take you here, but it's no guarantee that you're going to be the starter. And maybe he's looking for an opportunity where he for sure is the starter. I think that's an entirely possible route. I think the other possibility, and I think the reason why it feels like this has gone on, this process has gone on longer, is he's trying to figure out what the best deal is. And maybe the maybe it's not as simplistic as what is the best NIL deal. And I think I've mentioned it on the show. I do love how NIL has just replaced what the definition of salary is. You know, like we're, we're yeah. talking about it like it's a salary. Yeah. But yeah. – and that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not the guy that is sitting here yelling at clouds thinking this is ruining the sport, but it does seem likely that he's trying to figure out, okay, what is the best deal? And, and it seems to me that it's kind of one of those two situations. And maybe in a month from now, he ends up going to USC because there's really not a ton of pressure to get this thing done immediately. I mean, I assume he would right. like to be there before spring practice, but I don't think like there's no urgency in terms of, you know, they they got to play next week. Right. 
But, you know, and, and we could find out he goes to USC and maybe that was the right answer all along. But it does feel like at this time, like, USC's not a slam dunk to me. That, that's at least my read on the situation. It's not a slam dunk. I, I will say this to Caleb Williams. If you want, if you think you're NFL material, if you think you're that good, and you can't beat out a true freshman, you might not be NFL material. Like, is it Nick Saban who doesn't really recruit transfers? If you if you transferred high school, Dabo. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, there is if you can't beat out the other kid on your high school team. Like, the chances are you probably can't play at Clemson. You know? Yeah, I think, the, say I that. think the, one, the one outlier in that is if it was a situation like Roethlisberger, where Roethlisberger in high school, the coach's son was a year older than him, and the coach's yeah. son played quarterback, and so he had to play tight end. But your point, your point stands. Like, if, all, yeah. you know, if this is not – like, that is the exception. There's a reason why I can pull that example off the top of my head, because it is unique, and it, it – Right. You know, it may happen every now and then, but that is 100%. I, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, Caleb, he obviously got the job done at Oklahoma. He is, I mean, Lincoln Riley knows him. He knows him well. He knows his faults. He, you know, the thing that Lincoln Riley, that, that, that Caleb Williams would have Lincoln working against him is that Caleb, I'm sorry, Lincoln knows everything that Caleb does wrong. And for Malachi, it is all upside. Yeah. All upside. All he sees is the good. Because that's what you look for. When you draft these players, when you draft a quarterback, when they take Kenny Pickett or whoever quarterback is taken first, all they're going to see is the upside. Yes. That's all you see. That's all the fans are going to see. That's all anyone's going to see is the upside. Now, someone will try eventually to tear them down. But you're drafting and you're looking at upside. And that's why it isn't done yet with Caleb Williams, I don't think. Because he won't get a guarantee. No, and, and I mean, you know, another guy, you know, it is funny, like, how all these things are related. So Jackson Dart, who took over for Keaton Slovis after Keaton suffered concussions. Keaton leaves school. He's going, he's going to pit. I'm willing to put my crystal ball out there. I think Jackson Dart is headed to Ole Miss. And it's this weird reality where, I'm very fascinated by Ole Miss for this reason, RJ. Mm -hmm. It appears to me Lane Kiffin's going to take around 15 transfers. Yikes. I think Lane Kiffin, we, I think Lane Kiffin is our case study. You and I said we wanted to see if a team becomes transfer you, what does it look like? And I think both of us are in agreement that it seems that the best way to do it is still to recruit the best high school kids and then fill in with a portal. But I don't really know if that's a reality for Ole Miss. And well, I'm I mean, very fascinated to see if this transfer you think can actually work. Honestly, I think it's the best way to – so uh, take a program that has kind of died out. Take Nebraska. Nebraska, okay. right? Nebraska's best chance might be stockpile with the transfer portal. Um, get good quick. You know, the the – um, Think of it and maybe it's not even get good, it's get decent, get better yeah. quick. You know what I mean? Like, get, you know, if it's eight and four, so be it. Like, yes, maybe that's still not the standard of your fan base, but hey, man, how how's those four and eights treat, treating yeah. you? Like, get 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 to where you can at least be serviceable. Be, be competitive. 
And, yes. you know, if you look at from – use a use an NFL analogy. The way to build the team in the NFL is to build through the draft, except the L.A. Rams. And the L.A. Rams yes. have basically said, screw the draft. We are going to take high-priced vets that know how to win, and we're going to figure out – we're going to figure this out. Now, if we get a rash of injuries, we are screwed because we got uh, nothing but six-rounders on the bench. But if we're healthy, we're a dangerous team, and we're a title contender. And that's how you can look at it, the transfer portal. The transfer portal might not have kids that know how to win, but they do have kids that aren't freshmen, who aren't 18 years old, who have man bodies, who know the schedule of college football and the adjustment of living in a dorm and eating on your own and what it's like to be a college athlete versus an 18-year-old kid who starts until September. Well, and I think there's an additional psychological element of what we're talking about. If you get that guy that spent two years at a school and you know for whatever reason it doesn't work out and he transfers like that guy's got a way different mindset when he goes to that next school it's like hey man this is it this is my shot like there's a hunger and an intensity there and I I don't know I I feel like this sport more than any other period and I, I feel pretty versed enough in the history of college football I think it changed more dramatically and more quickly than at any other point that we've seen in college football. And it's this reality of, I think the formula for so long was, it's very simple, get the best, get the best players and put them out there and get the best high school players. You can't do it with transfers. You can't do it with Juco guys. Like that's, that's the formula. I'm at the point now where I feel like we are in this weird experiment in that, Everything that we previously knew, I'm not saying like it doesn't hold true anymore, but I do think you need to consider the way that it used to always be done no longer applies. It it may turn out in the end that it still applies, but I do think we need to consider if being transfer you is possible. And it, for a school like Ole Miss that can't go up against Alabama head-to-head and win many recruiting battles, like if Ole Miss goes up against Alabama head-to-head, and unless it's a kid like from the state of Mississippi, the first question I think most people have is, why didn't Alabama want him? You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you're if you're not in Florida, Texas, or a border state like Oklahoma, Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State, I think war is the only chance you have to compete year in and year out with those schools. Because they just run well. There's exceptions that are in there, like Clemson, obviously. Uh, but I mean, if you're Kentucky, Tennessee, or Michigan, I don't think you can compete with. No, I, I think you, I think you raise an interesting point. It's like, okay, now there's this question with Clemson: is how much of Clemson's success? was truly doing it a different way versus, hey, man, back-to-back, they had Deshaun Watson and they had Trevor Lawrence. And you're sitting there going, okay, those are generational-type quarterbacks. And the question then becomes, how much of it was culture and how much was it, you know, you had two guys that were generational-type talents. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's turn our attention to college basketball. We had a big coaching move this week. We'll get into that. We'll also get into – the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and more of the headlines of the weekend. He's RJ. I'm Jeffrey. This is BetQLU.
From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. We had some big news in the world of college basketball. We have our second big job opening after Mark Turgeon finally got his Lifetime Achievement Award at Maryland. It really did feel like, you know, uh, eventually it, it felt like he was perpetually on the hot seat. This time he chose to take a Costanza, like, you can't fire me, I quit. And it seems that uh, that was the path that he's took, having looked at the rest of that Maryland season thus far. But the one that was surprising, Chris Mack. And Chris Mack is now officially out at Louisville. In hindsight, RJ, there's a few a few things that I want to get into, but I actually really think if you want to make an argument for who who was most impacted by the pandemic, it might have been Chris Mack because that team was ranked number one in the country during the season. They were headed towards a number one seed. Instead, the season gets canceled. There's no tournament. And now he becomes the second coach in Louisville history that would likely have missed the tournament consecutive seasons. It hasn't been done since I believe his name was John Dromo, and I had never heard of him. It is this weird reality, though, of when this hire was made, it was universally praised. And I think it shows, like, if it can't work out here, like, it can basically, it cannot work everywhere. Like, this is one of those interesting things that when you take a look at the situation that North Carolina finds itself in, currently with Hubert Davis, it, it certainly hasn't gotten off to a booming start. With John Shire at Duke, they're, you know, he's still recruiting like a madman, and he hasn't taken over this year. But it is interesting how, to me, there's this question of, in college basketball, how many elite jobs are there versus how many elite coaches are there? And, and to me, this, you know, this seemed like a, a slam dunk at the time, but it doesn't work out. When you look at the Chris Mack situation, what are like, the thoughts that come to your mind? Well, I'll tell you, well, it's first off, I think it's very, very difficult to when we had the pandemic, I think that that pandemic year, and I'm dealing with this here in, in, in Dallas Fort Worth with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's first year was 2020. Yeah. I don't really count that. I mean, he had a virtual offseason and he lost his quarterback. I mean, it's like I don't really count that year. Um, if I'm Chris Mack, I want that year counted because we're gonna be a number one seed. Uh, but you know, it's like I think if, around this time, you know, w- when you're within a year or two removed of a, of a, of a global pan- pandemic where everything was turned on its head, I don't know that I'd be down with, you know, the firing of, of Chris Mack. But I think the other thing at play here, you know, Louisville, I, I wonder if they're the program that thinks of themselves more highly than they are. I think it's interesting in this in this regard. I think that might hold true to just about every job to a certain degree. But I think the way that I would phrase it is. I believe that Louisville was a top 15 job, and I think it was a top 15 job when they hired Chris Mack. I'm not sure at this moment in time that Louisville is a top 15 job for a couple of reasons. Number one. Interim president, interim AD. 
there's going to be whoever, you know, whoever gets hired during this process is probably not going to work for the AD that hired him and certainly not going to work for the president. And then further, you have an NCAA case that not only dates back to Patino, but it also they added they added more allegations under Chris Mack. And so, you know, at this point in time, I'm not willing to say like 1000% that I, I don't think it's a top 15 job. I think, I think the way that I would say it though, is I bet this hiring is a little underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, it might be a top 15 job, but remember it is probably the fourth team in the state. It's Kentucky basketball. Yeah. Kentucky football, Louisville football, Right, I mean, it's the second. It's the fourth team. It's the second school in the state, and the second best team, or the second biggest team on campus. That's interesting. I don't know. I get that's the a sense, though. I get the sense, though, that while Louisville football has clearly uh, reached height, I still get the sense that the fan base as a whole cares about basketball more. It's not the split that Kentucky is, whereas you know anything that happens. Anything that entertains them during football is a plus to get them to basketball season. I still get the sense that Louisville cares more about basketball, but I'm willing to acknowledge that I could get wrong. I guess my thought is, do you think the average? Certainly in terms of position, though, I think you're probably right. Football is just a bigger sport nationally. Yeah. Like, does the average student at Louisville – could they name you one player on their title team? The average student. And, and and I don't know the answer to that. But I do know they know who Lamar Jackson is. No question. I, I mean, I think it's a fair way. And, I mean, you know, you look at some of the candidates that are being mentioned already. Like, it is this weird reality to me of the names on the list are, are good. It's Chris yeah. Altman. It's, you know, Wes Miller. It's Kevin Willard at Seton Hall, though. I'm not sure how it's going right now, if that if that's going to matter. Andy Enfield, uh, Ed Cooley's being mentioned. And then, of course, you get the SEC guys, as uh, my friend David Cobb wrote over at CBS Sports. Bruce Pearl, I cannot believe that Will Wade's name is being mentioned. Um, I don't know how you can – I would actually weirdly respect Louisville if in the middle of an IRP case – they took. They went and hired a coach who's also in the middle of an IRP case. Like I, yeah. I think weirdly, I would somehow respect that. The only thing that I might respect more is take the ga- the gangster knee and go hire Patino again. Like run it back. Like that's like if we're talking about like dream bookings uh, of what I would want to do for entertainment value, I want that. But it's interesting to me that Bruce Pearl is on this list, and and I wanted to get into this with you as well. I'm not buying that Bruce Pearl is looking to get out of Auburn. And this would be my case. You're very familiar with Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. I'm convinced he is a great fit at a football school. And in particular, he is a great fit at a football school that has, has history and has expectations, but they're not meeting him. And that's what he's found at Auburn right now. Like, they're not particularly happy with Brian Harson. There's kind of a, let's see how it goes next year, but he could already be on the hot seat. 
And so there's frustration with their football program, and they have latched on to what he's built it with his basketball team. And you looked at that scene last Saturday at Auburn when they beat Kentucky. Like, that was lit. Yeah. And he is such a good promoter. Oh. And this is like the right spot for him. Frustrated football fan base, puts a good product on the floor. They pay him super well. And I'm just not convinced that he's for sure leaving Auburn for the reason that I'm not convinced he was really going to leave Tennessee. I, I, I think he was there for, for the long haul, and it went the way that it did, but it wasn't like he left for greener pastures. Like, I just don't – I don't see him as the job hopper. I, I don't either. Uh, there was the rumor that he was going to go to uh, the Wizards. Yeah. Right, when he was in Knoxville. That was the rumor. That yeah. was the only thing I had ever heard that he was going to go to the Wizards. And I'm like, no, he's not going to the Wizards. Um, he, he, he's going to the Wizards to get fired. He'll never get fired at Tennessee. He can make the Sweet 16 every year. He'll never get fired. I agree. I don't think he was ever leaving. He is the type of guy, I believe, that looks at it and is like, you know what? I was banished. I was blackballed. I was blacklisted. This school gave me a chance. They gave me the dream job, the dream money. They made me rich, and I'm never leaving them. Bruce Pearl's a loyal dude. Now, that may have only played for that first job, and then he got reality kicked in the teeth with the NCAA, and now he may be like, that was cool, but that was then. This is now, this is my second job, my second marriage. It's always easier to leave the second marriage than the first. Um, so I, I still, I don't think he's maybe in that same loyalty category, but I totally agree. I don't think Bruce Pearl is ever looking to leave. I think he is happy. He is having a blast. They love him there. He loves it there. He is already a made guy. He never has to worry about getting fired at Auburn. Unless he does something stupid like, you know, invite the wrong kid over for a cookout whose dad's going to, you know, blab to the press. Well, the reality is he's already had his NCAA dust up and he kind of won. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think he learned the he learned the benefit of plausible deniability for like along the same lines. Like, I'm not going to be the the ultimate idealist. that's like, oh, so and so loves his job. He'd never leave. Like, come on. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a human being. I, I realize how people think. I think the way that I would phrase it is, I think he would obviously lead for certain jobs. I'm not convinced, A, the jobs that he would leave for would offer it to him because he does have, you know, some dusty NCAA records. Although, maybe we're reaching a day and age where your NCAA record, no one really cares about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this just, just might be a new era in which everyone has just decided, like, whatever like we don't we don't really listen to the NCAA anyway so we don't care whether or not you're in good standing but he does strike me as the guy of recognizing the overall quality of life of a job Auburn's going to pay him incredibly well he yeah. knows that he also knows hey man I'm not on the hot seat after a bad year you know what I mean like and I, I think like in the end that's like what we saw with Chris Mack it's basically been a bad season and a half, and all of a sudden the Yum Center's empty, people are frustrated, and then you're having to call your bosses and say, all right, let's not let this get, let's not let this bottom out. Let's not let this get ugly. We all understand that this isn't working. I'm not winning enough games. You know, let's let's just agree to, to part ways and let's let's strike a check. And I think Bruce Pearl knows that 
that's the reality at a lot of those types of jobs. And that's not the reality of what it is. And it's like, as long as they keep paying you like you're a big yeah. shot, you're not in a hurry to leave. No. The, you know, the ego is satisfied by a lot of different things. One yes. is the straight admiration of your peers or of the yeah, people praise. that are yeah. praised. There you go. All the fans. Another one, straight cash, homie. You know, you pay me well. That's, you know, I, I got the biggest house in the block. And, you know, we all live in these small circles, right? I mean... I am. I always laugh whenever anyone goes, you know, why would you want to go and live in X? And they're trying to say, like, make fun of that, that place that yeah. that school or that job's at. And I go, y'all, you do realize, like, you know, $5 million can buy a really nice neighborhood everywhere. Like, everywhere. I, I, it's always been bizarre to me, like, that people don't think, like, listen, you can go. I can find you plenty of neighborhoods here in Memphis that. A lot of rich people would go, that's a pretty nice place to live. Like, you can find somewhere nice everywhere. Yeah, and, and, and let me, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, Memphis has an airport, right? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So I, and, and you can travel to other places. Yeah. In that airport. Very, cheap, very cheaply, by the way. Really? Unbelievable. So, like, yeah. I'm going to make $5 million. I'm going to live in a city that I don't necessarily want to live in, but I'm still going to make $5 million a year. And by the way, I have access to these little things called airplanes, where in about yeah, and I can tell hours, you this, your five million, your five million dollars in Memphis goes a lot farther than your five million dollars in a lot of other places. I can yeah. confirm. I know it's crazy, right? It's amazing how that works sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it used to go quite far in Dallas, then all of California decided they wanted to move here. Shout uh, out to it California. Doesn't, doesn't go as far as it used to, but uh, uh, it still goes pretty far. Uh, I wouldn't know. I don't make $5 million, but I wish I did. Yeah, me either. I'm saying I can confirm a dollar goes farther. I cannot confirm yeah. that $5 million. I would love to at some day say that I can confirm. I just know that. to be able to know that. Exactly. How when all, when all of my college friends can't believe that I own a house because they all still live in California, I can confirm that. Uh, listen, boys, y'all are probably all making way more money than I am, but it's just there's a little thing called the housing market, and it's a lot cheaper yeah. to live here. It, it is, man. And Bruce Pearl – in Auburn, Alabama, which I've I spent a month there one night, uh, it goes a lot further than if he was coaching UCLA. Sure. You know, and his quality of life, while he may not have the Pacific Coast, he is at Florabama Shore in 90 minutes. And he, I guarantee you has access not only to one of those things you call an airport, I guarantee he's got some access to a private jet. I've heard which of also too. makes it a lot easier. Uh, yeah. makes it a lot easier. All right, when we come back next segment, let's get into some big games. Of course, Kentucky travels to Kansas. We got the Big 12 SEC Challenge this weekend. Baylor at Alabama, Tennessee at Texas. It's the RJ Choppy special. Mississippi State travels to Texas Tech. Oklahoma goes to the aforementioned Auburn Tigers, West Virginia at Arkansas, and more. We'll get into big picture college basketball stuff. But it's a big weekend. Exciting weekend at College Hoops. We're got, starting to get in College Hoops shape. I'm feeling it. I, I, yeah. I had a good weekend last weekend on the show, and I'm, I'm starting to feel it. Like, let's get some rhythm. The locker room's good. Let's keep it rolling. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. This is BetQLU.
From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. RJ, we've got the Big 12 SEC Challenge coming up this weekend. I think in terms of headliner game, I think it's got to be the obvious. It's Kentucky at Kansas. But how interested are you in the return of Rick Barnes to Austin? Obviously, a lot of time has passed. Uh, Rick does strike me, though, as a grudge guy. I I can see where, where... or Rick strikes you as a grudge guy. I can see where uh, this is more personal to him than it will be to Texas people. How do you kind of see this matchup? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, it is definitely more personal to him than it would be to Longhorn fans. First of all, Longhorn fans are too busy enjoying Sixth Street than to worry about Rick Barnes. Yeah, It's been long enough. There's not a single student on campus that was there when Rick Barnes coached. I don't think they care. I don't think the students care. Um, if you, I don't think the fans really care that much. You know, the one thing, you know, the University of Texas, like, I guess the, the University of Texas, I think perfectly embodies the state of Texas. We don't really care here in Texas. And I live, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. We don't really care about what's going on in the other 49 states. Yeah, Texas is its own thing. Yeah, we don't really care. Oh, you're doing that there? Cool. Whatever. We don't really care. We don't care about your economy. We don't care about your housing market. We don't care about your gun laws. We don't care about your masks. We don't care about your vaccine. We don't care about anything. Yeah. We don't care about literally anything. I believe it's the only state state where the state flag can fly even with the American flag, I believe. I think that's that's a fucking point. We don't even care about your power grid. We got to run. Yeah. We don't care. Especially the one in Houston. Sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. Whatever. What are you going to do? Um, and the University of Texas is the same thing. They are the perfect embodiment of that. We don't really care. If you're not here, we don't really care about you. They don't care about Rick Barnes. They care about their football program, a little bit about their basketball program, and quite frankly, they don't have time to worry about anybody else. So this is much bigger for Rick. The problem for Rick is that his team stinks on the road. Like God awful on the road. So he's going to run into a buzzsaw and you know, there's a decent, there's a, there's going to be a decent amount of orange in the building. Like, you know, good orange, not the one that they burned. Uh, yeah. There's Tennessee orange in the building. There's Tennessee fans around town. I mean, you know, but well, deer season did just open up. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So it, um, uh, there's it, seven it, people watching this that will get that chip. <laughs> that's right. There is a, uh, yeah, it's definitely bigger for Rick. No doubt. Yes. Now this is an interesting matchup to me. Also, I don't know what the total is. Is this an automatic under game? Like neither one of these teams are particularly interested in scoring. Yes. Thousand percent an under game. There is no doubt about that one. Tennessee doesn't score, although they've done a little bit better lately. Um, yeah, they, they they got into the 70s against Florida. And they got in the 70s against Kentucky. The problem is they still lost by 30. 
Yeah, they gave up 107. That, that, that was the slight issue. Yeah, that was the issue. So they've scored a little bit better lately. There was a time where they were unwatchable, and I think, though, they had some COVID issues uh, with the program, and that was that was their issue. Um, but I also feel like Kennedy Chandler, like anytime you had a young point guard, there was going to be an adjustment period. It feels like the more he gets comfortable, the better they are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So um, I, I think this is an under game, though. I am fascinated to see the crowd. I've been trying to get tickets to this game. They're all they're available everywhere. I was stunned at the prices. They were super expensive. Now, like uh, the Frank Irwin, the Irwin Center down there is, it's one of those old circular, just round stadiums, right? Oh, yeah. One yep. level goes to the ceiling. And, you know, your first 30 or 40 rows, these tickets are $200 a piece. This is, these are expensive tickets. Is expensive. that expensive? Like, it doesn't make sense to me, though, if you're saying there's a ton available. Like, is that just a game where you just go stick a finger up and just say, I got cash? I think so. I think so, because, like, you know, I went and looked earlier this week, and they were there was, I mean, every section except for two had a bunch of seats available, and they were, you know, in the lower part, they were all $100-something a piece. Now, you can get them in the, in the very last row for $7 a piece, but, you know, who wants to sit up there? Yeah, who wants to sit up there? Uh, but there, there's tickets available. There, there are. All right, let's turn our attention to Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we've had the, I don't know if you've been paying attention, uh, Bill Self's father passed away. The, the way we talk about Bill Self right now is fascinating to me. Like, we are talking about him right now as, like, the grandfather. And I was like, did people forget, like, I don't know, what was that, like, 18 months ago? He's wearing, like, a gold chain on a stripper pole, like, saying, like, birds up to the NCAA like first off like I think it was a cool move but like they're talking about him like you know he is this you know honorable decent like the moral compass and it's just it's been bizarre to me like am I am I alone in this like I, I actually I think the guy's a great coach like I don't I have no problem with him like he doesn't bother me like coach USA does but it's really odd to me the the way we're treating him right now it, it is a little odd I do think he needs to at times go to the Les Miles school of acting and just yeah. put some of those videos out that Les did. Those were always funny and likable. Uh, you know, it, Bill Self has escaped a lot of, like, he is, where, you know, where's the NCAA with him, right? Well, he was part of that Adidas. Uh, well, I mean, there's one, it's in the IRP process. I mean, you know, as well as anyone, an NCAA case never gets handled quickly. No, five to 10 years. I mean, it's a prison yeah. sentence, uh, the investigation. I mean, I, I'll never say it out loud, but it is part of the punishment, is, is the, the length of the process. Yeah, it is because it hurts recruiting. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, it theoretically, theoretically, it's supposed to. Right. I don't know. No, it didn't yeah. seem like it stopped Kansas during the during that during that period. No, uh, but no, I, I'm with you on that one. I, I just, I, you know, I agree with you on what you're talking about, self. How interested are you in this? So I watched. It was weird. I watched that Texas Tech game. I think the right result occurred. I felt like Kansas played better. But it was the weird reality where in overtime, it felt like in both overtimes to me, Texas Tech played better, and I thought they were going to win, but they weren't able to finish the deal. I don't know. Like I, I, When I was watching Kansas play, I was less impressed with their whole unit, but more impressed with Ochai. 
You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he strikes me as a stud, but like I don't know. Like it didn't strike me as oh, this is a Kansas team that that I would start clearing the board for and try to bet bet my life on. You're talking about when they played Tech. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think part of the problem with that though is Tech really muddies the game up, right? As, you know, there's no question. I think it's a fair point. Like their their defense is very very good, and 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 sometimes especially in the college game, you'll get some bad offense played there. And Tech doesn't have a great offense, but Kansas does, or at least they're supposed to. Uh, and when you muddy the game up the way Texas Tech likes to, you're going to find yourself, the other team is going to look ugly. And I don't know that they necessarily are. Like, if they're playing a free-flowing game against, you know, uh, like if, if Kansas play a free-flowing game against, say, Purdue or, yeah. or, or even Kentucky, I think they'll look good. But if you put them up against an LSU who's got a really good defense or a Tech uh, or even a Tennessee or especially a Baylor, right, who, who's very, very long and plays that, they can play that zone, I, I think you can make a team that's a great offensive team look bad even though they're not really bad. And I think it's a fair point to make because the previous time I watched them was Kansas State, and Kansas State's also one of those teams that you talk about. Like, they just – they make the game so ugly and muck it up. And despite trailing for most of the game, you know, Kansas poured it on in the second half and they end up escaping with a win. I think, I think that's a fair point. I think it's styles makes fights. And also yeah. Texas Tech kind of with their rotation, like size wise, you could tell like they, Kansas kind of didn't know how to match up. Like you, you could tell it threw them off their game a little bit, particularly in the second half. And so I, I think that's a fair point to make. Where are you on Auburn right now? Because, you know, Bruce Pearl's great at getting the hype train going. But, man, I, that whole time I watched the Kentucky game, I know Ty Ty got hurt. But I felt like like Auburn, every time I watch them, I just leave impressed. Uh, every like You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who they beat. I just – I'm very impressed by Auburn right now. I think they're good, man. And, you know, they've got some big guys that uh, that could play, which I wonder how that's going to work. Stud. Oh, yeah. I wonder how that's going to work in the tournament because it, it, it does become a guard-oriented. You know, that's the one thing. You know, if if you have the ball in your hands, you can control the game. If you have to get the ball in your hands by somebody, it becomes much more difficult to control the game uh, in, t- in today's college basketball, today's NBA, really, even that much too. So, yeah, it, that is it, the first thought. That, the first thought that comes to mind is DeAndre Ayton versus Buffalo, where Buffalo, you know, Nate Oates is now at Alabama. They literally just packed the paint, and then there's no guard could make a shot for Arizona. But, like, you know, it's not like DeAndre Ayton was all of a sudden a bad basketball player. It's that they literally said it's five guys. Like, five guys were collapsing on him. Uh, Bill Belichick talks about this all the time. I could take any single guy away. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I'll I'll double, triple team him, and then I might get beat one-on-one with somebody else. But, you know, I could take anybody out of the game. It's just how badly do you want to do it? And in college basketball, more so than any other level, well, college in the NBA. Yeah. On the NBA, on the NBA floor, every single guy can make a shot. Every and that's single key. one. That's why doubling, you know, leaving someone wide open is just such a, you're playing with fire. Playing with fire. At the college level, you have yeah, right, at it, might, best, it might be smart defense at the college level. Yeah, at, at, look, at, in the college level, at best, you have two guys who are just nails from three. And most teams don't have that. No question at all. Also, this weekend, 
We don't have lines up yet, but if you're curious, according to Ken Palm, which has been pretty close to the lines that we're going to see, Kansas will probably be favored by three. Baylor uh, on the road will be favored by four at Alabama. Texas should be favored by three against the Vols. Texas Tech, eight against the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Auburn, 10 points favorite uh, hosting Oklahoma. Arkansas hosting West Virginia should be about a six-point favorite. We are here each and every Friday at midnight. You can, of course, hear us on Saturdays as well. BetQLU in the action. Four hours of college hoops. Live reaction. RJ tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss that on the BetQL network. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. I want to thank you for listening to and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.